From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, she makes it easy and helps keep more money in your wallet. This is For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Haq. Welcome to a new episode of For What It's Worth. I am your host, Rubina Ahmed Haq. It's the weekend before Halloween. Are you all ready? Have you got your costume ready? All the candy ready? All these things that go into this one spectacular day. I know my kids have been planning for months. A little bit annoying that my daughter decided this week to change her costume because she's going as a group with her friends in some sort of Harry Potter extravaganza. So now I have to go out and buy this new bits of costume for her. But still, they all have been very excited putting their costumes together, figuring out where they're going to go trick-or-treating, whose house they're going to meet at. One of the things as a parent that I've noticed is, A, the cost of costumes has gone up. All of a sudden, no costumes available for 15 bucks. I mean, you're spending 20, 30, 40, if not more, uh, to buy a costume. Um, and the cost of candy has gone up. I was really surprised to see that that, you know, that really typical 90 pieces of Kit Kat and other chocolates that you get, oftentimes it would be on sale for like $5.99, $6.99. I saw it for $19.99. Now I know it wasn't on sale, and it was about six weeks ago I saw it, you know, when they first put the Halloween stuff out. But I was really surprised as to how bold they're being with these prices. Now, there is some reasoning, inflation being one of them, as to why candy is more expensive. But it's also more expensive because of the price of chocolate. Chocolate futures are up. So this is when we predict the price of cocoa in the future. And that is putting pressure on pieces of chocolate. So that's why we're paying more. And inflation all over is still higher, grocery inflation, and that's putting pressure on candy as well. So we are paying more for everything. I will break down at the end of the show some things that you can do to keep some of your Halloween costs down. You do not have to, uh, you know, give into the hype. I'll break down some things that you can do, you know, really practical stuff that you can do uh, to save some money. But coming up on the show today, uh, this week we heard from the Bank of Canada. Uh, They paused their interest rate at 5%, their overnight rate at 5%, uh, really pointing to the fact that inflation has come down. Uh, But they aren't closing the door on interest rate hikes. They're really saying that, you know, they're just reacting to what's happening right now in the economy, but they would be open to interest rate hikes in the future if inflation was to tick higher again. They're still worried a lot about core inflation. So core inflation being inflation when you strip out gasoline and food prices, which are volatile, that is persistently staying higher. So they want that to come down. Uh, ideally, 2% is where they want it to be. And we're not there yet. It could be 2025 before we see that year-over-year price increase at only 2%. Uh, We're also going to talk about the Canadian dollar. It is weaker than it has been in a while. Um, It's uh, $0.73 US buys one Canadian dollar. If you go the other way around, it takes $1.38 to buy one US dollar. Um, And we'll talk about why the Canadian dollar is weaker, uh, what the forecast is for the Canadian dollar going forward, and uh, what that means for our pocketbook. I mean, some obvious stuff, right? Going cross-border shopping, really expensive. Traveling to the U.S. or other places, uh, quite expensive when you see that the exchange is lower. But there's some good news in there, too. 
weaker Canadian dollar can attract business, can attract tourism, and that brings money into our economy. So we'll talk later to an FX analyst about the weaker Canadian dollar and uh, what more we can expect uh, from it. Um, it's been a fantastic week uh, with the Bank of Canada announcement. Uh, fantastic in the sense that it's been there's been a lot of news that's come out this week. I think it's really important for Canadians who are worried about their mortgage to sit down and realistically look at what life will cost them over the next year to 18 months. And this is especially true for anybody who has a fixed rate mortgage and they've been enjoying these very low rates as interest rates have gone up. Because when your mortgage comes up for renewal, your payments are going to go up. I've talked about this before on the show. My payments are going up about 30%. I've already done the calculation. And that's based on today's interest rate. Um, if they go up further by the time we renew, which is in uh, mid-2024, my payments could be even higher than what we're paying right now. You have to prepare for that. That is a reality that we know that's coming. Interest rates aren't going down anytime soon. In fact, they may still go up 25 basis points. Uh, it's one of the biggest stories, in my opinion, that we're going to have going into the new year. And as more and more Canadians renew, it really is going to have an impact on the overall economy. Less money in your pocket, less money to spend out in the economy. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a weak Canadian dollar with an FX analyst and find out what's behind this and what should we expect uh, going into the new year. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck. This is for what it's worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk. Forecasters are predicting the Canadian dollar will lose more value by the end of this year. Currently, one Canadian dollar is worth 73 cents US. Uh, this is bad news for travelers, but great news for business who work with international partners. To talk about what is behind the weakening Canadian dollar, I'm joined by Jay Zhao Murray. He's FX analyst at Monix Canada. Hi, Jay. Hi, Rubina. So you're predicting that the Canadian dollar will go lower by the end of the year. Uh, how much are you forecasting it could go? How much lower could it go? So... Um... Actually, realistically, we don't expect too much further downside uh, on the loonie through the end of the year. Um, it's more so that we just think it will stay quite weak um, through, you know, through the fourth quarter. Um, we do think that, you know, there's scope for um, CAD to weaken even further uh, at the start of next year. Um primarily uh, once, you know, central bank policy starts to diverge between the U.S. and Canada. Um, but uh, for now, um, yeah, we just think that uh, that CAD will, will remain close to these very weak levels. Oftentimes when we think about a weaker Canadian dollar, we think, oh, that, you know, that really hinders our ability to travel across the border and buy things. But in some cases, it's actually good for certain businesses. Can you tell us how it can be a positive for certain businesses that operate in Canada and have international partners? For sure. So I would say that the main way in which a business can be helped by a weak Canadian dollar is that, you know, from the rest of the world's perspective, all of a sudden, uh, Canadian goods and services have become very cheap. So uh, what that does typically is it results in higher demand from abroad. So if you're an exporter, your sales go up uh, 
you know, you're, you're selling more to the rest of the world. And typically uh, in Canada, you're selling to the U.S. And that has been stimulated or that can be stimulated rather by uh, by a week loony. And that also attracts travelers. So especially if we look towards the holidays, if someone's sitting, say they have family in the U.S. and family in Canada, thinking, should we go there or you come here? This may be the incentive <laughs> to say, you come here because, you know, we're a little bit discounted right now. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how that helps travel and tourism, a, lo a lower Canadian dollar, how it may give a boost uh, to, you know, what has been uh, an industry that's been really affected by the last three years in the pandemic? Sure. Like, it's just sort of the reverse of, you know, uh, when the loony was strong a few years ago and we were at parity with the U.S. dollar, um, oftentimes people would cross the border to go shopping. And, uh, you know, that is stimulating the demand for U.S. goods and services. Or, or maybe you'd cross over and, and uh, you know, do more of your tourism uh, in the U.S. And now it's sort of the reverse. So, you know, if you're American and, you know, you're, the purchasing power, power of your dollar can go further in Canada, um, you know, you'd be more likely to come to Canada to, to spend, uh, to buy some you know, to, to buy some stuff or to, or, you know, take a, take a trip down to Niagara Falls or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just becomes more attractive, um, especially those border towns where, you know, it, it, mo crossing over the border, all of a sudden it's at discount. Why not? Let's just go for the weekend to to somewhere, you know, in southern Ontario or British Columbia, anywhere, anywhere close to, to where you live. Um, it, you know, you exactly. mentioned like that there's growing... Uh, there's growing geopolitical risk around the world that's putting some uh, pressure. Could, could you talk to us a little bit about how outside pressures are impacting uh, the Canadian uh, dollar and why you think that that's keeping it lower? Sure. Um, and first, just before that, I, I just wanted to make sure that your viewers understand, like the whole thing about um, currencies being weak or strong, whether that's good or bad, it is always going to come down to your own personal circumstances. Because, uh, you know, there, there's no way in which, you know, uh, an exchange rate is universally good or universally bad. It comes down to whether you're the one doing the buying or the selling um, and, and, and so on. Um, but with respect to the weakness of, of the loony and, and how, you know, geopolitical events have come into that, you know, um, the Canadian dollar is seen as uh, riskier than uh, than other currencies. For instance, you know the U.S. dollar, the Swiss franc, the Japanese yen are ten. You know they tend to be the market's safe haven currencies. Um, so when you see times where there is you know uh, a lot of uncertainty about what's going on in the world, uh, things that could have spillover effects to the global economy. Um, when sentiment turns pessimistic, you know, people tend to uh, sell those riskier currencies and buy the safer currencies. And, and you know, that, that's just sort of uh, been an, an effect that we've seen on CAD, but not only CAD, a, a, a wide range of currencies. Um, I mentioned that uh, uh, one American dollar, rather... Um... Uh, it, it, one American dollar is worth 73 cents, rather 73 cents U.S. buys one Canadian dollar. I've got it right finally. But the other way around, um, it takes a dollar 38 cents to buy one U.S. dollar. But you're saying that we could break through that dollar 40 cent uh, threshold. Is there a psychological thing that happens when we break through these these uh, we, we, thresholds that we haven't seen for a while? Um 
I, I do think so. I think that, you know, big round numbers uh, tend to be numbers that traders anchor themselves on. So, you know, uh, oftentimes uh, people who are looking to set orders that don't get filled until the market, you know, hits those levels, um, they often can cluster around uh, key levels. And, and, and yeah, we would call that, you know, a psychological level. And what does that do to the FX market? Uh, does it is it good? It, does it uh, make it a volatile day, or does it do 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 traders think and pause? How when those psychological barriers are, are broken? What what does that do? J just to because we're all human beings, we're all working in this world together. What does that sort of do uh, for traders and and their outlook at that point? Sure. So I I would say that. Um... You know, there, there's never any guarantees in FX markets, so you can't just go, okay, if that level's broken, guaranteed something's going to happen. Um, but I would say that oftentimes when, you know, people in markets are looking at a key level um, and, and, you know, it's not just a handful of people, but like a, a wide number of market participants are looking at such a level, uh, you know, Breaking through a a resistance level such as 140 on dollar CAD uh, can often be seen as as a confirmation of a trend. So, um, you know, if if the Canadian dollar weakens such that dollar CAD breaks 140, uh, I'm sure that there would be a lot of people who would come to think this could go further. Um, whether that plays out, you know, I I can't uh, I can't necessarily say, but but this is a pattern that you'll often see. Yeah, absolutely. We're speaking to Jay Zhao Murray. He is with Monix Canada's FX market analyst. Uh, the report that you put out is called Turning Bearish on CAD as Recession Odds Mount. Um, how are you baking in uh, recession? Is, is there a time next year or this year that you think the Canadian economy will be in recession? Uh, uh, what's your forecast? Sure. And like, again, so... Uh, before I get into that, the, the one thing I want to make clear to your listeners is that, you know, uh, a recession, uh, that word has a visceral meaning to, to many of us. You know, you, you think recession, it's going to be a, a huge contraction in the economy. There's going to be plenty of people losing their jobs. Um, and that's not necessarily what I think is going to happen in Canada. So what we've seen is that since January, the economy has not grown at all. And this is despite a very dramatic increase in uh, the inflow of um, new immigrants as well as temporary foreign uh, workers. So you have more people entering the labor market and, and working and putting in more hours. And despite this, uh, the economy has basically flatlined. So we've gotten um, more evidence over the last, you know, several weeks uh, that said, you know, that suggests to us that, um, you know, the stagnation may continue for another few months, but it will probably turn lower. Um, a lot of Canadians are cutting back on their spending due to higher interest rates and high inflation. Uh, firms are preparing for next year by planning to hire less and invest less. And, you know, when you have less hiring demand from firms, uh, that should also reduce the flow of, you know, uh, newcomers to Canada. And that will weigh on demand. So our view is that, you know, the, the Canadian economy will contract somewhat. We're a bit more pessimistic than, you know, the Bank of Canada forecasts. Uh, but at the same time, 
we're, we're not anticipating massive job losses. Um, and the main reason for not expecting, you know, this more severe type of recession is that firms don't really want to fire uh, workers. Uh, they had the experience of labor shortages fresh in their memories. Um, it was a real scramble to rehire workers after the pandemic. And so what we're seeing is a, a theme of labor hoarding where, you know, firms don't really want to, uh, to, shrink their workforces unless they're forced to. And, you know, whether they will be forced to or not has yet to be determined. But right now, you know, profit margins uh, in, in for Canadian companies are, are still quite high. Uh, they're higher now than they were during the five years preceding the pandemic, just uh, outside of the entire range that held for that period. So, Basically, I, I would say that firms have enough of a buffer to absorb, you know, weaker sales, to absorb greater costs and not necessarily go on a firing spree. And, you know, if, if that were to change and if we were we were to see, you know, uh, um, firms start to aggressively, uh, you know, cut costs by downsizing their workforces, we would become uh, a much more concerned about uh, about a severe recession. But so far, it looks like that that worst case scenario can be avoided. Mm -hmm. For, for um, the speaking of oh yeah sorry yeah speaking <laughs> sorry, of the, the I, Bank I of Canada uh, announcement this week uh, they held rates steady at five percent which is welcome relief for those who have been suffering through higher interest payments um, you know you did mention that they are more pessimistic than you are about the economy going forward uh, oh, sorry, what's your reaction to what they had to say <laughs> sorry I, I'm a bit more pessimistic than them but. Oh, you're more pessimistic than them. Okay, so they're saying yeah. that they expect um, economic growth to average 1% this year and then pick up to 2.5% by 2025. That's already quite pessimistic. Uh, well, can you tell us what you're thinking? Sure. So, I mean, my take on uh, the uh, decision uh, earlier this week um, was essentially that not too much had changed. Um, the, you know, the Bank of Canada basically met everyone's expectations sorry, expectations. Uh, they held rates of 5% and they continued to signal that more hikes are possible. Um, the few things that were interesting that were slightly different, uh, one was that um, domestic demand conditions uh, are clearly softening. There's more and more evidence that the domestic economy is, is you know, losing steam. And this has led them to be more confident that at least domestic inflation pressures should fall. But at the same time, you know, geopolitical risks have risen and you have uh, essentially more risk from abroad. Uh, if the situation with um, with Israel and uh, Gaza were to escalate, uh, there is significant potential for that to drive um, both an increase in uh, oil prices, which would affect Canada, uh, as well as global supply chains. Jay, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, for getting us up to date on what we can expect from the Canadian dollar and also your thoughts on the Bank of Canada's most recent uh, interest rate announcement. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Rubina. That was Jay Zhao Murray. He is an FX analyst at Monix Canada. And when we come back, we are going to be speaking to an economist from RBC about this week's Bank of Canada announcement and uh, what exactly it means for you. I'm Rubina Ahmad Huck. This is For What It's Worth. <music> 
You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk. Bank of Canada has held rates steady at 5%. Welcome relief for many mortgage holders, especially with those variable rate mortgages. Uh, they say lower inflation numbers are encouraging them to not raise rates further at this time. To talk about this announcement and what was behind the pause, I'm joined by Claire Fan. She is an economist at RBC. Hi, Claire. Hi, Rubina. So tell me, what's your initial reaction? I think most of us were expecting they would hold rates, but a lot of commentary around why they did it. Uh, what's your take? Yeah, so um, obviously uh, a lot of questions surrounding whether the decision today came as a surprise. And I think to that question, the answer is really no. Um, it's very much a line with not only our as well as America's expectation before the meeting um, that their uh, you know decision to keep the overnight rate steady at a very restrictive five percent still um, at today's meeting what did come as a bit of a surprise however was sort of this you know just very um, hawkish undertone that was let off in their policy statement which actually highlighted increased inflationary risks um sort of uh contrary to i think what we are anticipating uh just for you know for some of the price pressures to continue to moderate moving forward but there are good reasons for them to be saying that still most um predominantly we have been seeing core inflation like they've also highlighted uh persisting at higher levels for the past year or so a bit short of a year so overall you know it's really a really balanced um sort of uh uh, action collectively from their rate announcement that's contrasting a more hawkish statement. What can the average Canadian who's listening to this conversation take from that? Uh, you know, a lot of the messaging we're getting now is that this could be the beginning, this could be the, the end of uh, rate hikes and maybe even uh, later in 2024 we might see a rate cut. Someone who's worried about their own ability to manage their mortgage, what should they take from this announcement this week? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, um, the decision to hold rate at 5%, obviously, by not moving it higher in itself is a, is a bit of a relief, right? Especially after a cumulative worth of 475 basis points worth of increase that we've seen in the overnight rate already since the March of 2022. So incredibly sort of aggressive rate hikes that's pushed mortgage interest costs to on average 30% or over 30% above where they were uh, just a year ago. And um, very interestingly, the latest inflation data also saw incredibly high inflation and mortgage interest costs again, but showed a first decline in, in sort of the inflation or rate of growth in mortgage interest costs. It was a very small decline. But what it suggests is there we might have seen a peak in terms of how fast mortgage interest costs are increasing and moving forward, especially with rates now, you know, as expected by us and many market participants will be staying at 5% before they move lower, ultimately in 2024. That's going to suggest that on a broader level, the burden of debt servicing 
especially on the mortgage front. Obviously, with the inflation still being positive, that means prices are still growing and at a really fast rate. But just that rate of growth, right, could be moderating a little bit. And um, again, I think the context of five uh, percent interest rate, obviously, in of itself, is still very restrictive. And thirty percent inflation and mortgage interest costs is incredibly enormous, right, for Canadian households. But moving forward, at least we can directionally say that things will be gradually start to easing a little bit more. Um, you know, a lot of the impact from rate hikes are still waiting to impact Canadian households. So for, let's say, a typical household that's looking to renew their mortgage next month, um, holding a five-year fixed rate. So interest rates are obviously still higher, right, than what they uh, received last time in 2018 or 2019. So a lot of that will continue to impact households. And that's, again, just by design, how tighter monetary policy is designed to work, unfortunately, is by, you know, um, putting a bit more burden on households uh, in a way to hopefully um, make them cut spending a bit more to preserve their, their purchasing power and for that to slow aggregate demand to slow inflation, right? And we are seeing a lot of good signs that that sort of mechanism is working really, really well. Again, inflation looks to be slowing uh, more substantially in the quarters ahead as we and the Bank of Canada have both been expecting. And as long as that is still the case, we kind of think this very restrictive, currently extremely restrictive sort of a monetary environment that's translating to higher debt payments. Um, prices are still high as well. So some of these things to really ease more substantially moving forward. Now, they also released their um Monetary policy uh, report uh, highlighting how they expect inflation to return back to normal or 2% or the target rate by 2025. Um, that could mean, like, like you've been talking about, another interest rate hike. But um, did, do you, do you, did you expect that it would take this long uh, when we first uh, started hearing about higher inflation for inflation to actually get back uh, to what is considered a normal level, which is 2%? Uh, that is a great question. And I think that really speaks to the broader resilience um, that households by and large have been exhibiting, right? Ever since sort of the the, the hiking journey that the Bank of Canada has taken all of us on uh, since March of 2022. So we all know um, that monetary policies obviously tend to work with a leg for some of the reasons that I've just mentioned. But, um, um, and prior to this, this sort of um, hiking cycle, what we were expecting was roughly four quarters um, of one uh, tighter monetary policy or higher interest rate to put simply are expected to impact the economy and slow things down a bit more significantly. And up until the first quarter of this year, we were still seeing very strong growth momentum that was underpinned by very strong consumer fundamentals. So households, by and large, were doing okay if you look at some of these stress indicators, including HELOC utilization rate and including, you know, 90-day late payment on some of their auto loans or other form of debt. 
So they appear to be doing okay, at least over the summer. Um, and which uh, is also, you know, just been surprising. Uh, obviously has to do with the enormous amount of access savings that households have accumulated over the course of the pandemic. That's in a way help insulate them from this shock of high prices and high debt level. Um, but Moving into the summer, as well as the third quarter of this year, we are seeing a lot of more signs, more significant signs, more so that higher interest rates are indeed starting to have a more sort of pronounced impact on household spending. Um, so starting in Q2, if you look at the GDP data, right, it actually surprisingly contracted by 0.2%. And if you were to do that on a per capita basis, meaning controlling for the this a uh, big increase in population that we've seen over the same quarter. GDP actually contracted by over three and a half percent on a per person basis, right? And that's underpinned by softening consumer demand. So finally, we are starting to see um, this very long anticipated sort of outcome of higher interest rates starting to come mm. through a little bit. And yeah. for all of that to price, price, slow price growth moving forward. There are a lot of people whose mortgages are coming up for renewal in the next year, um, and those mortgages in, in, have been fixed rate, in many cases, less than 2%. I know even in my own social circle, people love bragging about the fact that they were able to lock in in, in maybe early 2021 or around that time at a very low rate. Um, what's your uh, what's your forecast for when those mortgages start to renew um, and, and um, all of a sudden payments? I, I did I did the I did the math on my payment. It's going to go up about thirty uh, percent when we do renew because we are in that position. Uh, what's your forecast as to what's going to happen uh, with economic growth, consumer spending when those mortgages start to renew? Um, and and we know that more than average will renew in the next year and a half because there were so many more people that uh, bought a home in, in 2020 and 2021. Yeah, no, those are all obviously really great point, um, Rubina, on, you know, just not only there's a rate differential, different, yeah, between where interest rates were back then versus now or potentially in 2024, but there's also a difference in terms of how overall debt has increased, right, among households as more, um, like you mentioned, uh, opted to invest in housing um, back when rates were lower over the course of the pandemic. Um, Obviously, our own projection for debt service ratio, which it measures the percent that on average Canadian households have to take it out of their disposable income to service debt payments. So that includes not only mortgages, but everything else as well, um, has increased over the course of this year and is not expected to sort of heat a sort of um, hit a peak level until sort of the back end of 2024. And that, again, just goes with in line with sort of this lagged impact um, that despite the overnight rate itself not moving very much higher, households will continue to feel the heat, right? As you said, more of them are still looking to renew mortgages. But again, that all goes back to the sort of uh, battle with inflation that the Bank of Canada is still very cur currently very much in right now. 
um, what the bank hopes to see. So or what the bank actually highlighted, um, and I think a lot of people forget in this conversation, is also the fact that wage growth in Canada are still persisting at higher levels. So they have actually been, you know, growing faster than inflation on an average level. So they've caught up and surpassed the rate of growth inflation. And labor market conditions are starting to cool, but on balance, it's still pretty tight. So that's, you know, just in part leading to this pretty persistent wage pressure in Canada. Um, and in a way, that's really good, right, for households because their income are still growing faster in a way uh, that's helping to combat some of the inflation uh, or, or impact from higher interest rates uh, that we've seen to date. But moving over, a lot of these risks are all sort of um, tangle up together where potentially you could see more spending because income has been so resilient, at least for some workers. Um, so what does that mean for inflation rate moving forward? And is that a credible and tangible risk uh, that requires more intervention from the bank? Can is also a big question mark. But by and large, um, I do think we are getting more and more confident that you know, what the bank has done to date has been enough to slow household spending and will continue to do that as some of the things that you mentioned, Rubina, um, as households face higher debt servicing costs, they have to cut back spending. So that's all by and large, again, the sort of the design of how time monetary policy is really designed to work to slow consumer demand and slow inflation. And that I really want to make the point here is sort of the best outcome, unfortunately, that we could be looking at for the economy because the scenarios, the upside scenario is inflation becomes, you know, um, higher again and central banks has to keep stepping in and the burden on the households become even more sort of stressful and potentially risk sort of a larger downturn that we are looking for at today, which is a very shallow recession, actually. So that's sort of, there are a lot of uncertainties that are pointing to sort of the downside risks to the sort of base case scenario. So moving forward, I really do think that um, if everything were to unfold as we are expecting, this is ultimately um, what would work best, not only for the economy as well, for the households as well, to you know have the Bank of Canada um, be convinced that inflation will come lower and start pivoting over the back end of 2024. Claire, thank you so much uh, for joining us today and getting us up to date on what's happening with the Bank of Canada and what uh, we can expect going forward. I really appreciate your time. Always a pleasure. That was Claire Fenn. She is an economist with RBC. Coming up, have you noticed the price of candy right now? As Halloween approaches, many Canadian families are grappling with the fact that we'll be paying in some cases twice as much for that same box of chocolates that we did last year. I'll break down what our Halloween spending looks like this year and also how much more we're paying for those same treats. I'm Rubina Ahmad Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, you're listening to For What It's Worth with Robina ahmed Hawk. The best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money.
Well, this is a big week where a lot of costume parties happen. Halloween's in just a couple of days, and many of us celebrate early, having the parties on the weekend that precedes Halloween, getting together on the Saturday or the Friday night. And then the big day, of course, Tuesday, October 31st, when you get to take your kids out trick-or-treating. Uh, this year, Canadians are spending money on Halloween. Part of it is because many of us are excited to just be back doing things that we really couldn't do for so many uh, years because of the pandemic. I remember one year my kids went trick-or-treating and we all had to wear masks and the, the candy was left sort of at you know, a few feet from the door, you rang the doorbell, you walked back. This was the municipal guidelines. They sort of set out these guidelines as to how you could trick or treat safely and how homes could give out candy safely. It was fine. I think it really did. Uh, they Everybody made an effort. A lot of doors were dark. A lot of homes were dark, so it didn't make for as interesting of a night. Uh, but definitely last year I saw there's a huge pickup now uh, with Halloween and, and more and more families, uh, more and more homes uh, handing out candy. Uh, you know, the, there was a survey that was done by the Retail Council of Canada and it found 81% of Canadians expect to spend more uh, or the same on Halloween this year because the budget for candy as I was mentioning at the beginning of the program, has gone up. Candy, in some cases, consumers are saying they're spending 30 to 40% more to buy that same box of candy that they usually buy uh, around this time. So, you know, we normally get these 90, 150 pieces in one in one box. You know, you can have several hundred pieces in one box and you, you give out that candy at the door. I know this year I'm going to be a little bit more frugal. Usually I've been like hand fists, fistful of candy for each bag. I think this year I may be a little bit more frugal. I don't want to be, you know, whatever the Ebenezer is of Halloween. I don't want to be that person who's, who's known as the person who doesn't give enough candy out. But at the same time, um, it's a pretty expensive, uh, it's pretty expensive uh, event to participate in. My best advice if you are struggling uh, to, you know, figure out how you're going to afford Halloween, one is that. Just be a little frugal when you're giving out the candy. You can still participate. You can still give candy out. Um, but you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to go overboard with the amount that you're giving out. Um, you know, the obvious stuff, make sure you get DIY costumes, secondhand costumes, free costumes. I'm a huge supporter of the free economy where you join different Facebook groups or different groups in your community where you exchange stuff for free. Uh, you can often, even at this point, even though it's only a few days away, you can ask in that group, does anybody have a Dracula costume? Does anybody have any costumes for a five-year-old boy? And see what people come up with. Uh, that, it will definitely save you money because that's going to be absolutely free. Uh, the other is, and this may be something that might be difficult for some people to do, but you could darken your lights and go to someone else's house. So you still celebrate Halloween. You st kids still go out trick-or-treating, but you combine your efforts. You combine your efforts. You take your candy somewhere else. So you don't need to you don't need to give out candy at your own door. You're now giving out candy at someone else's door or invite someone over and say, can you bring some candy with you? That may be some clever ways to save some money. It's not going to save you a lot. Uh, Canadians don't spend a ton of cash on Halloween, you know, a few hundred dollars. Uh, the big one really is Christmas, but still it'll keep a little bit of money in your pocket and not, um, put you out on a day that's supposed to be all about fun. Uh, we had a fantastic show today. Really loved hearing from Claire Fan, uh, uh, from RBC about the, the Bank of Canada announcement this week and what her expectations are going forward. Uh, definitely she's saying that the Bank of Canada could 
raise rates again. Uh, but at this time, uh, the economic indicators uh, are allowing them to hold them at 5%, which is great news for anybody who has a variable rate mortgage or worried about their ability uh, to make their payments. Also speaking to Jay Zhao Murray, or Jay Zhao Murray, I should say, uh, FX analyst at Monix Canada about the Canadian dollar. Some good advice there uh, for for Canadian travelers, for those who do cross-border shopping, to be really be aware of how low the Canadian dollar is now. Maybe hold off on some of that until the Canadian dollar does pick up a little bit of strength. But this is also good news for businesses uh, because if you buy from Canada, if you're you know if you're the UK or the US and you buy from Canada. Uh, we're on discount right now. So more businesses would be more likely to come and buy our goods and services because they are at a slight discount with our Canadian dollar being lower. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening today. I hope you got something out of those two conversations. I hope you have a great Halloween. Don't break the bank. You can still have a good time without going into too much debt. Don't have to charge everything to that credit card. See what you can forage in your own backyard for free to, to make Halloween decorations. Uh, pumpkins, if they're available, are a really cheap and cheerful way uh, to put uh, in front of your in front of your porch uh, to make for a nice Halloween display. You don't have to go out and buy all the fancy stuff that just uh, kind of gets trashed on November first. Uh, thank you for listening today. We'll be back here same channel, same time. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck, and this is for what it's worth.